Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 476, and today we'll be talking about The Winter King, from Adventure Time, Fiona and Kate. I'm GC13. And I'm David. Well, we finally got there. Ooh, the, not only is the plot really kicking in, or at least I should say the character arc kicking in, we get so much, including the Pearl Scouts. I mean the Ice Scouts. <laughs> okay, the Winter King, this is, I, I think it's my favorite episode of Fiona and Cake. I cannot blame you for that. It is no. wonderful. <laughs> it is focused. It is clear. It is, it delivers what I love about Adventure Time, which is, yeah, just bring in, I don't, I don't know if it was a guest animator or just, they just chose to do a different art style, but like uh, the musical number alone, of course it wins me over. Of course it does. The, the sequence of, <laughs> of the Winter King taking us through all the wonderful things he's built just by, you know, sheer force of will, overcoming the curse of the crown. Where have I heard that argument before? <laughs> he just pulled himself up by his bootstraps and made himself a great guy. And that is definitely exactly how he got where he is. He did not do anything else. There's There's a lot of... It's not like super layered, but there is some good stuff here as far as sort of how they develop the Winter King. I like that from even the start of his song, uh, and we get these kind of swirls animating his history as the Ice King. And then it just kind of skips right past the part where he's, you know, Ice King to this guy. I totally believe in his, you know, backstory, and I, I wish we could have, you know, you just get this sense of the world that existed, right? We see that ice Marceline in the background. At first, it's just a little weird. She's made of ice. But then, of course, we see her melt when the curse is lifted. And we realize yep. that uh, his suggestion to Simon to make an ice Betty is, uh, well, he, he did something unethical, as he claimed. Yep. yep. <laughs> it would be. So I do wonder, um, A, uh, where did this universe come from? Heck, where did the baby universe come from? Somebody had to wish for that. And that's weird. But... I guess in this one, Simon Petrikov was a sociopath because he holds no special affection for Betty. He's like, oh, uh, no, I never actually loved her. I don't know if he's lying to himself or if uh, he genuinely felt nothing, but he cared enough about uh, baby Marceline to want to keep her around. Yeah, this there, there, there's so much we just don't know about this guy. And, you know, he probably has no special affection for Princess Bubblegum and the candy people, so... Sure, maybe a twisted version of Simon would just pass off his curse, and he was human enough to want a Marceline, but then again, his Marceline died, <laughs> or or went away. So, there's something to that, right? I do like that it is the child version of Marceline, because that should tip you off right at the start of the episode. Yeah, hey. she did not survive long enough to become a vampire <laughs> hunter. I mean, if he was a sociopath, he might not have been as willing to risk the madness to protect her. So at some point, he just, you know, decided, oh, it's not worth the risk. Becomes mad much later because he has to protect himself. And if he lost Betty really early on, or heck, maybe this is a Simon who never even did have much of a developed relationship with Betty. I mean, maybe he was a fundamentally much different person. Maybe she's just the girl who got him the Enchiridion, and good for her. <laughs> There's, I, I mean, a lot of the world otherwise developed the same, right? I mean, this Princess Bubblegum is the exact same Princess Bubblegum, at least in her uncursed form. Yeah. 
Speaking of her cursed form, by the way, am I the only person who thought the Candy Queen was kind of a cutie? Uh, <laughs> I think from like a cute character design perspective, uh, she does have a spinel angle. You know, she's like sweet and precious. I mean, yes, she's deranged and she she <laughs> super needs a hairbrush, though. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, bubblegum, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very tough to clean the hair out. And uh, I don't know, she had such a sweet song. If only it was a metaphor, but... <laughs> yes, apparently... It was an escalation. Well, it was a metaphor in one sense, or at least it was not the whole truth in one sense, which is uh, she was describing, you know, blending up Simon with her self in a blender and it seemed like actually she just wanted to blend the simons and she might have jumped in after them we don't know <laughs> yeah it's it's deranged it's also a little bit past the normal plot for an ice king uh sort <laughs> of thing because he would capture princesses and then just kind of make them listen to his music or something right like killing well in the words of the winter king it's an escalation <laughs> the, not the, sure the why. line delivery on that from both simons was perfect he <laughs> does this all the time god the writing for the winter king those lines were it's it just defined that character so instantly and you know just his not even perfectionism he just is perfect he just imbues this articulateness and you know this calm serene and and yet the right level of energetic. I love his voice, and I, I had to look up the voice actor, and I was... I, I, I saw this guy's face, and not only is this voice very recognizable and smooth, or at least the the energy underlying it, because he doesn't exactly sound like this normally. He's definitely put on a voice, but this is apparently uh, Brian David Gilbert, who I knew from some Polygon videos he does series like Unraveled, but he just kind of has... Random things he's done. <laughs> like, he has voice acting, he has YouTube series, he has this website that's just Brian David Gilbert, but I, uh, it kind of makes me want to go back and see more of him because this Winter King character is so good. And, uh, oh my god, I wish he had an original role on, like, <laughs> Adventure Time. He's a pretty young guy, though. But, um, yeah, oh my gosh, I, I love this character. But we haven't talked about the B-plot yet. Oh, ugh. Marshall Lee and Gary are like, this is quite possibly the cutest Adventure Time romance I've seen. They're both so dorky in the best possible way. I kind of love it. Okay, <laughs> so this relationship is amazing. It's funny that it's easily, you know, the best Adventure Time relationship because it, well, it's just a more realistic one, right? <laughs> like it's just taking place in a world that we understand more. With, you know, stakes and scenarios that make sense, right? Like, Gary is trying to, you know, <laughs> he is, is this a hobby? Is this a career? He says he has a 64-step business plan, but clearly he just wants to play around with his candy mentioned. Also, apparently, just rewrite the plot of Adventure Time slowly <laughs> with his character. He definitely wants to do the bakery, but he's so unsure of himself. He feels like, I have to do all this tinkering at the very beginning. Then, once everything is perfect, then I can proceed. <laughs> and uh, thankfully, Marshall is there to kind of be like, dude, you're really pretty good. Let's just get going. 
<laughs> yeah, it's funny though that his angle is truly about eating as well, at least for a good solid portion of the episode. Like, he is motivated just by getting to eat another cookie, but uh, he does genuinely believe in Gary. Yeah, I, I think he's uh, putting up a bit of a front there. He's clearly impressed by Gary from the moment he sees him, so that's why he invites himself along. He's so cool, though. Donald Glover makes it so easy <laughs> for Marshall Lee to seem so relaxed. So, you know, how interested is he? Well, apparently just the perfect amount. <laughs> so, yeah, it is very sweet. The lemon grabs or lemon carbs are here. Um, <laughs> they're exactly all they need to be. Um, I probably spent too long reading Justin Roiland drama to understand that whole world but uh you know the lemon carbs still sound great here and they have the exact same ridiculous energy uh i love that the lemon grab character evolved to have this weird rivalry with a clone or whatever (laughs) and (laughs) that it's carried over into this universe i'm glad we don't have to see a lot of them (laughs) as i'm always glad like just need the right level of these lemon characters but uh it's uh unfortunate that they didn't like the cookies yeah, L- Lemon Grab is no chuskus. He doesn't blend as well as, say, uh, Simon Petrikov would. It's kind of a one-note character, right? And that note is very shrill and hurts your head. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I yeah, I like these pastry mensch. Uh, I don't know if they were named that in this episode or if pastry mensch, he'd already yes. shared that. But that's that's fun that also there's that little bit of German heritage there. Uh, which, I don't know why. P- PB could speak German. Was there any connection? <laughs> why was that ever the case? I just remember that being a um, thing. What German? I don't know. I have to look up. Uh, just calling them Mensch. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure it was Pastry Dimension. Really? That's that's what I'm pretty mm. sure. I'm pretty sure Pastry Mention is the Pastry Dimension. It's like the Candy Kingdom. It is the sweet thing place but no yeah pb hold on i'm gonna verify i am pretty sure princess bubblegum german this is a thing um yes (laughs) from the fan wiki pb can speak german which she has at least four times in the series she said ich bin here i am here and ich bin so glückig ich kann yeah i'm so happy i could whatever so she just does this a few times uh we don't know why like, literally, she just speaks German inexplicably four times. So I'm glad that that, I think that is carried over with the pastry mention. Which, again, I only know the word mensch because of um, high school philosophy. With, <laughs> with talking about Nietzsche and his idea of the ubermensch. So that is the philosophy and extremely obscure Adventure Time corner from David. <laughs> well, if, if Princess Bulbagum will randomly speak German every now and again, then I'll buy it. But I always thought it was uh, just, instead of the Candy Kingdom, it's the Pastry Mansion. <laughs> I mean, I like that interpretation. But it's it's just too bad the lemon carbs are too short-sighted to see how much people love to emotionally engage with their food. <laughs> yeah, well, they're missing out on the investment of a lifetime. Although, I, I'm gonna be honest, I, I don't think I should analyze this investment-wise too much, but like, these look like expensive-as-hell cookies. Right? Like, the amount of work? (laughs) This isn't a scalable project. These will always be artisanal. So, maybe it's best that he didn't do something that ended up uh, 
requiring large investment. Right, like, this is not a thing you want to mass manufacture, so I think the scale Gary needs is just to, well, just to make them for Marshall Lee all the time. <laughs> so, fingers crossed for his future. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Marshall Lee would be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Fiona and Cake are in this episode, so maybe we should talk about them. <laughs> Gary and Marshall have a happy budding romance, and Fiona was happy at first with her budding adventurer career, and then it kind of turned ugly once that curse was lifted and she realized those people she didn't have to be hurting. Um, they have ordinary lives they can go back to. <laughs> at least they aren't totally dead. I mean, some of those banana guards look pretty smushed up, but when Cake sort of quickly stretched to hide <laughs> yeah some of the beaten up candy kingdom citizens uh, they you know they were still alive but yeah i i like how fiona's kind of speed running finn's journey so she's like wait oh maybe hurting people <laughs> before i know everything about them uh maybe i i should act slower you know that was unfortunate i i think she did need to work her way up to you know stopping simon from getting blended so uh, it would have been nice if Cake had just stretched. <laughs> Most of those ones on the stairs, she could have just run right past them. They were they were absolutely no threat to her. It's it's like I mentioned, fighting all the people at the market was like fighting a kindergarten class. <laughs> Most of the people in Adventure Time, even if they're big and imposing, move slow, think slow. So all you have to do is be aggressive and be able to, you know... Think kind of quickly in a fight, and you'll be okay. That's uh, what carried <laughs> Finn so far. And uh, in this case, they're like th th their time between realizing that Fiona is close enough to attack and her being out of their attack range is like way, <laughs> way longer. Fiona's sword also has some kind of auto targeting built into it, so that makes her even more lethal. Yeah. Although, uh, thankfully, it looks like she wasn't using that here. She was only using that during the initial demonstration with the Ice Scouts. Now, that's a funny, funny that they only had that red light activate for that fight and not again. I mean, if they had the light turn on, it kind of would have absolved her of the responsibility that she <laughs> feels. In fact, I, I do wonder why they had the, the autopilot on there at all if she was going to have this revelation later on in the episode. Right. I guess she needed a confidence boost. Like, no, here, Fiona, you can be a good fighter. Yeah, it's almost like a very subtle... It, it almost accomplishes two things, which I it could be totally accidental, but it's just fun to imagine. Like, one, she might not be much of a sword fighter yet, so having her defend herself against, you know, these guys, uh, th these pearls, <laughs> uh, it, it makes it make sense. Like, they didn't even need to explain it. She could have just been great with a sword, but t technically she shouldn't be, so great. But then fighting these guys... You know, it being off means that, well, one, all she has to do is, you know, hack and slash through, uh, well, I hate to say the kindergartners, but, you know, like you said, they're easy, yeah. easy targets. So um, she literally just has to hack and slash. And meanwhile, it's an intentional choice. So it almost does that. But it's so subtle. I don't know <laughs> if that was the intent. But if it was cool, communicated. <laughs> uh, but Simon really did. Bubblegum dirty in this one. Um, right, in this universe. Our Simon... Oh, our Simon uh, is all happy. He doesn't even minimize his association with the Winter King. He refers to him 
as my fellow Simon. Not not even that other Simon. He's my fellow Simon, and I am sorry for what he did. Right, because he feels close to that. Yeah, it was it was nice and tough though, like seeing how Simon immediately recognizes the warped PB as you know someone who has something inside of them that needs help. Which is funny because she's not at first like she doesn't have a, a cursed crown or anything, right? Like there's no reason he necessarily should think that, but that's just his inclination now when he sees, I guess, you know, people who are clearly crazy. Like, okay, well, this isn't just how they are. <laughs> also, he's probably got to have somewhere in the back of his mind. It's like, wait a minute. So there was a crazy Ice King and a crazy Bubblegum? Right. It seems wrong. The way I think, like, I didn't suspect anything at first watching this episode. I just kind of thought... Yeah, neither did I. I, di- I didn't do the math. Well, because we have a good Ice King, right? So if we have a good Ice King, of course we have a bad Princess Bubblegum. Yeah, exactly. It makes perfect sense initially. Right, except for if you'd really thought about it, like, the good Ice King still describes having a bad past. So, you know, you don't think, though, about, well, is this world just truly opposite or what happened to this Princess Bubblegum? So, again, this is like it all happens in one episode. We go through two musical sequences that are all very, you know, totally engrossing. So there's just no time to think. I don't think this type of scenario would really need to be played out over multiple episodes, but it would be the kind of revelation that might even hit harder if, you know, if you had a three or four episode run of, like, coming into this world and learning about it. Yeah, like, if if you had this happen in the third episode of a three-episode stand in the Winter Kingdom, ooh, the betrayal would hit so hard. As it is, it's like, well, they tossed in the ice Marceline and a reference to make yourself an ice Betty, but uh, no, wait, that's unethical. And then they just (laughs) cut back to melted ice Marceline. So it's like, ooh. They they had more stuff they could have done if they had the time. Yeah, it, it's just very rich, like conceptually rich. So very fertile grounds for some <laughs> stuff. Uh, yeah, well, and also it's like, I mean, it is funny that there are things like these ice guards, just a totally unique addition that aren't really analogued by the Gunthers, <laughs> you know, by penguins. Uh, we do get other weird creatures. And he still has the penguins. The penguins are still there. Yeah, well, what's with the weird naked chicken thing <laughs> that's, like, combing yeah, Simon's was, hair and... I was looking at that, and I, I, I don't know what that's a reference to. I, I, I was completely lost. I feel like a fake Adventure Time fan. I'm like, why? Why is this thing that should be frozen and dead in this winter world here? And why is it so ugly? Maybe it's just a frozen turkey reference. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't understand it. Well, we can't get all of the references. <laughs> I I don't think I ever do. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I the last thing I have to say is, you know, it, it all happened very quickly. I appreciate that right at the start of the episode, though, the only person who's truly on mission is Cake. Cake does what, you know, you actually want characters in a show to do sometimes, which is just do the thing. Just grab the crown. That's that's the only reason you're here. That's your only motivation. You're not distracted. <laughs> Cake's like, oh, sweet. <laughs> you know? And it obviously makes sense that she immediately gets captured. But I, I like that kind of writing where it's like, well, the character will try to do the thing. You know? <laughs> they're, they're, at least one of them remembers why they're going dimension to dimension immediately. 
I mean, I think as soon as she saw him, uh, Fiona just wanted to make out with the Ice Prince. I mean, the Winter King. <laughs> oh, man. It's kind of disturbing to think of the analog of, like, just the ancient <laughs> Simon and just, like, the relationship that Fiona and regular Simon are building. Like, now that she knows that Ice King is also Simon, it just was weird. <laughs> like, I guess he is very enrapturing, but, um,. Still, it's just kind of awkward. Like, oh, here's my attractive brother. I I guess maybe that's a normal thing, though. (laughs) That's a normal, like, sitcom thing in real life thing. Like, you know, just if you have two really similar siblings, you could have a totally platonic relationship with one person and not the other. But I don't know. (laughs) I was a little surprised by Fiona liking him so much. I don't know why. They're so different from each other, though. So different. And you you saw, you saw... The the Winter King missed no opportunity to dunk on Simon. <laughs> uh, no, he didn't. And it was so funny. Well, and again, those line deliveries, the way that he uh, just says things so plainly, but with the right level of energy made those dunks better. You looked ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just matter of factly stating yeah, that you looked ugly before. I really like, I mean, I just kept writing quotes from him, but uh, when he gets captured first and can't can't reach his crown by the evil Princess Bubblegum, he just says, gives up. <laughs> it's just like, that's an amazing, like that self-narration and this whole like idea he has about himself. Like he's so important, he should be narrating his own life. It's perfect. Oops, somebody call Kronk. We got somebody for the writer's meetings. <laughs> Kronk does his own theme music, technically, not his own narration, but I think they'd appreciate each other. (laughs) I mean, if nothing else, the Winter King could always use a new sidekick, and Kronk definitely needs a better employer than the one he starts with. (laughs) I can't even imagine these two together. But I do want those two voice actors together, because Kronk is also an amazing, amazing performance. So I feel like just this Winter King character and Kronk could could do something so gc you always find the craziest crossovers that i wouldn't think of in a a million years (laughs) i want to see that now crossover is a forbidden art in uh many times especially (laughs) when you have to cross corporate barriers but uh sometimes you just got to do the dark ritual and hope for the best speaking of dark rituals this is not a good way to end the episode what your previous statement was but uh baby lich I just need to say that. Baby Lich. Baby Lich. (laughs) He's there for a few seconds at the end of the episode. And to end on a high note, I loved little baby Finn offering a fist bump. Righteous (laughs) dude. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on The Winter King. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.